Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, depending on when you are looking at us. Thank you so much for being part of the Material Business Podcast and community. And my name is Monica Hernandez, and I'm your host. And um, today we have a very special guest, Bernardo. Thank you for being with us today. Very much, Monica. The, it's a pleasure for me being part of this podcast, and I'm really excited to talk to you. Thank you. So Bernardo Santos is a PhD candidate in material science for the Federal University of Sao João de Rey. I hope I pronounced that correctly. <laughs> in Brazil, since 2015, he has been dealing with research on materials and corrosion at the Center of Surface Engineering, Tribology and Electrochemistry in Brazil. From 2021 to 22, he worked at the Institute of Corrosion and Multiphase Technology at the Ohio University, developing research on corrosion inhibition. Currently, he has moved to Norway, where he is both preparing for his PhD defense and working at the Serum Coding, a company that is a fruit of an academic research led to make possible the thermal strain of silicon carbide. Thank you for being here. That was quite quite an exciting and different worlds that you have been in from Brazil to US, now Norway. And the congratulations is at your age. And I was just telling that before. It's nice to see younger generations, you know, pursuing their dreams and, and flying. It's really amazing. It's 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 a it's a quite a, a, a journey since I started like in the academia in the academia and de dealing with corrosion, but yeah yeah here we are. Awesome awesome congratulations. So let's dive right into it. So what did inspire you to be on this realm of corrosion, localized corrosion, carbon steel pipelines? Why is this a, a concern that we want to take a look at? Yeah, so uh, starting from the corrosion general perspective, uh, I, when I was in the mechanical engineering course, I, I had this, uh, it, it was not a mandatory course, but I had the corrosion course. And I was really interested on that because I, I could see like uh, that it was playing an effect in every single thing in our lives, even though we were not maybe not paying so much attention of it. So I figured that corrosion was a serious problem and it was in some way also exciting to understand and to study about it. So I started pursuing like uh, some opportunities during the bachelor for uh, doing uh, research, uh, undergraduate research, and uh, and that that that's when I started really studying and doing research on corrosion. So uh, since it's one of the probably the, the greatest concerns in the industry that we have nowadays regarding the 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 materials, the facilities, the integrity of the facilities, it's it's something that that excites me working with and researching and like trying to find the new solutions, um, studying everything. So it, it it's it's a very um, I think the the best word for, to describe it's exciting. It's ex exciting area uh, of the the material science and yeah and so so everything that all, all this passion led me to to pursue this this whole journey. Interesting. And uh, yeah, you have said very key points on how much 
you know, money we spent on trying to fix some things that we could have fixed at the design. And we have said it in the last like 10 podcasts, I guess, or all of them, I guess, is we need to make better design, better decisions at the design stage, and that we get to that with the data that we have after uh, we do these kinds of studies and uh, the research that you're doing. So it is it is very important to pay attention to that. So going a little bit more into like the real world uh, experience, like can you give us some examples of real world experience of the kind of consequences specifically due to localized? Because I know you have worked a lot on on localized corrosion. Uh, if you if you uh, don't mind, I will, I will share some some of the the uh, some some real situations that we we face that we may face mainly when we we are talking about uh, local localized corrosion. So uh, localized corrosion, as uh, from people that are from the corrosion uh, universe, is. They, they, every, everybody knows about it, but uh, we can understand that as the we can say that it's the most dangerous mechanism, uh, corrosion mechanism that uh, are consuming materials, metals uh, in the industry everywhere. And it is why this is so dangerous because localized corrosion is uh, different differently from the uniform corrosion that corrodes laterally, it corrodes vertically, so it can be a potential cause of, of failures on, on pipelines or in any kind of structure, and it can be driven by different mechanisms. So uh, for my PhD, I focused on the, on that, but I'll get to that later. But uh, when, ju just to give an, a perspective of the, of the real world, how the industry can suffer for the, this kind of uh, corrosion mechanism. Uh, I found this one of the, the, the many accidents, unfortunately, but uh, this in particular was uh, the investigations led to the conclusion that uh, localized corrosion was one of the key, key uh, factors that led to, to this accident. That was in the early 2000s that when a gas pipeline uh, failed at some point because of localized corrosion. And then it started, uh, the rupture of the pipeline caused uh, it to start, uh, uh, a fire to start. And that led to, to unfortunately, 12 people to uh, were killed with, in this accident. And just that that's that's one of the, the matters, of course, uh, uh, lives are really important and we have like many operators around the, the facilities everywhere so uh but another perspective uh for the industry economically speaking is the financial loss that this accident caused that it was uh, around one million dollars uh in repairs and everything that the company had to deal to deal after the accident so uh this is this gives us a really good perspective of how uh, corrosion in general can be very, uh, it, it's a severe problem, but localized corrosion in particular, it's something that uh, might be uh, undetectable at some point, and it's uh, depending on the models that you're using, but it can be sometimes untraceable, and that makes it even harder for us to understand and to see and to take the correct measures to avoid this kind of problem. 
Absolutely, absolutely. So I'm sure a lot of the the people that follow us and that listen to us, they understand perfectly the difference between the general and the localized. But you have said it in a way that I, it's the first time I see it that way, and it's absolutely true. The general corrosion goes uh, vertically and uh, horizontally, sorry, and then the, the other one goes into the depth of the thickness of the material. So that's a good way of putting it uh, in simple terms on the difference. So you can imagine how difficult it is to find out that you have that mechanism. For sure. Uh, so go ahead. No, no. Uh, I was just uh, because I, I always try to. I understand that the, the most of the audience will understand like the basics of what we are talking about. But I always try to to deliver the message in simple terms because one thing that I I uh, since I started in the academia and also moving to the industry is that. I think it's important for us to try to communicate to people outside of the, the this corrosion universe because uh, some of the measures that are in the daily lives of people they can be taken by any people and and some of the people they also have dealt with corrosion at some point in their homes but uh, since it's not something that it's spread out in a in an easy way to understand uh, I think people get like away from these kind of topics and it's hard to discuss sometimes but that's why i think it's the more we we try to to give a better description of it in the easiest way i think it's very important and i think you're doing it really beautifully because it really is simple and then you can understand it sometimes we get tangled into the technicalities and we love yes. meek and then stress corrosion cracking and scc and can so he can all those things and terms and but when we are trying to bring more awareness, which is what we're trying to do here, uh, making it simple just makes a difference. So, yeah, that's a really good point. Thank you. Yeah. So I know you've worked really hard and just published a paper and that was a, a really good, you know, documentation has a lot uh, of interest in uh, information in it. It also highlights the role, the role of Galgan sorry, galvanic coupling, and propagation of peats. How is that all work together? Can you explain that phenomenon and how that occurs? So, um, uh, so yeah, just going back again, like, like I said, like localized corrosion, it's it's the most dangerous, we can say that uh, type of internal corrosion, mainly when we are talking about oil and gas industries, uh, the pipelines may may be submitted to this kind of corrosion mechanism, depending on the, the environment. And um, and but uh, one thing is corrosion, uh, localized corrosion initiation, it can be initiated by different things. But another thing that it's uh, some way mainly when when it's regarding uh carbon steels it's less discussed or there there are less approaches to it is the propagation of existing pits and the 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 focus of my my phd research was on that on, on this subject the propagation of this localized corrosion and uh even though the this mechanism uh the, this these pits they can propagate in different 
because of different parameters. One of the common ways of having this kind of propagation is due to what you said, the galvanic coupling that is established. And how, how is that in, in more detailed? We can assume that uh, the usually in the, on carbon steels, the pit is surrounded either by corrosion products or corrosion uh, inhibitors, molecules that are absorbed on the surface. So the, usually what happens is that the area in which the pit is being corroded, uh, it tends to have a lower potential locally. Of course, if we consider as a whole pipeline, it, it should have the same potential. But locally, when we are talking about uh, local phenomena, uh, it has a lower potential compared to the surface, the surrounding areas in which it is covered with corrosion products or corrosion inhibitor. And this difference in potential, as we know from, from the theory, and we have an electrolyte for the, the, the electrons to flow, so it is established a galvanic coupling between these areas. And what, what will happen is that the pit will tend to be consumed and then the localized corrosion will increase and can cause severe failures. So my, uh, on the, my study was focused on using corrosion inhibitors to mitigate this galvanic coupling that was established in this uh, lo local uh, area of the, the pipeline. So uh, so yeah, we we had the, the the problem, but how to how to 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 get to it because it's uh, pro the propagation of localized corrosion. It's a it's a very hard to be to be simulated artificially in the lab. So uh, in in the past in the literature there was like several studies that uh, used different electrodes. So they were. Uh, preparing one electrode to act as the cathode of this of this electrochemical cell uh, that would be the 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 area covered by with corrosion products or corrosion inhibitors and the other electrode would be the what what they use used to call the artificial pit and uh, promote this galvanic coupling using two different electrodes but that that rises a lot different challenges because you, you depending on the, the conditions you're trying to simulate, you may need to use different cells, uh, glass cells. Uh, it, it might lead to, to uh, ohmic drop during the experiment. So there were some concerns and uh, we, we decided to, to have a, a different approach on this matter. That since uh, we, we thought that since we have a difference in potential, you have a shift in potential between the area that is your pit, your localized corrosion, and the surrounding areas covered with, with uh, corrosion products or inhibitors. We can, there is a technique that we can simulate this shift in potential that will consequently lead to a current flowing that is the potential static uh, technique. And that was what what we did in this first stage of my PhD was simulating uh, uh, propagation of localized corrosion using the potential study technique. What just just to recap the potential study technique it's so you can apply uh, a potential to to your working electrode, and in consequence there will be a current flowing. 
And that current could be interpreted as the, the current flowing in this uh, local galvanic coupling that happens on the on the pipeline. So having that, we could uh, our main idea was to apply different potentials to simulate different environments that that localized corrosion could propagate. So you could have a surface around the pit covered with iron carbonate that would lead to one one difference in potential between the pit and the surrounding areas. You could have had it with co uh, the surrounding areas covered with corrosion inhibitors that would lead to another different in potential. So we we applied different sets of of potential using the potential study technique and injected the inhibitor to the environment because the inhibitor will naturally tend to absorb to the the active surface of the pit that in this case is our working electrode and that uh, the corrosion inhibitor would uh, mitigate or not. So our parameter was if the current that we observed after applying the potential, if it after the injection of the inhibitor, if it starts dropping, it means that the inhibitor is absorbing on the uh, actively corroded surface, uh, corroding surface, and that uh, would tell us that, that 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 inhibitor for that particular environment the inhibitor was able to stifle, to mitigate the propagation of localized corrosion by this galvanic cell that is established. So that, that was basically the understanding that we had. And uh, we were fortunately, uh, we published it recently. So it's, uh, I like it. It's, it's, uh, it's fruit from my PhD. So for me, it's, 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 uh, it's really important. I'm really proud of it. And uh, just just to to summarize uh what what we the main findings uh among many others is that that we figured that the capacity of the inhibitor to absorb on the surface so to mitigate the propagation of localized corrosion because of the galvanic coupling is dependent on the current flowing so we observed that there will be a, a threshold in which the inhibitor the current will be too high it will higher than the adsorption mechanism of the inhibitor to the surface. So uh, the inhibitor ha has a limit uh, when you when you when it's facing a high dissolution rate that it's usually what's happening on the on the pit. And um, another thing that we figure is that for some 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 of the conditions that we have investigated, the the concentration of the inhibitor is quite uh, important for it to be able to stifle or not. So uh, depending on the on the, the potential that that you are facing on this galvanic cell, uh, the initial the because usually when we are dealing with corrosion inhibitors, we tend to use uh, the concentration that is called the surface saturation concentration for inhibitors. And that's the optimal concentration that you you will add to your system that would lead to the lowest corrosion rates with the lowest amount of corrosion inhibitor. But what happens is that for when the the material is corroding at the the, the corrosion potential, that's just the OCP, what we call, right? And but when you're polarizing the surface, you're you're uh, artificially uh, increasing the dissolution rate of that sample, right? So the, the that value for surface saturation concentration of the inhibitor is no longer uh, reliable, let's say. Let's put it like that. So depending on the condition that you are in doing this kind of experiment, 
you may need to increase the concentration of the inhibitor. So uh, yeah, the, the, those were like the let's say the, the the main findings. And one unexpected finding that we 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 found out is that uh, the carbon content on the the metal substrate that you're testing is detrimental for the the inhibition, the uh, effective inhibition, because we we figured that uh, whenever you have you corrode severely your sample, you end up revealing the iron carbide on the surface, and the iron carbide might lead to poor inhibition. So that that was uh, something that we were not counting when when not not even expecting. Of course, that's research, and uh, but that that was surprising, and that that makes a lot of sense, mainly considering everything that was written uh, and published in the literature. That's very interesting. So. Taking it from the lab, you know, research and development and your control conditions to industry, what do you think will be the message to or the considerations that industries can take or can keep in mind when you mentioned, you just mentioned the selection of, you know, the materials, I guess that's, that's one of them. But yeah. what are other considerations maybe when we are selecting our inhibitors or any uh, regular sampling we need to do, like what can industries take away from this in a practical way or a solution? What do you think? Very interesting question because I think for every research that we are doing, I usually expect it to be applicable in some degree uh, to the industry. And uh, I think the the one of the messages that this this uh, research uh, gave is that the when when we are doing the selection of the corrosion inhibitor, making the correct selection of it, I think it's very important because uh, of course uh, you need to understand the kind of phenomena you're having, and then you, that that would lead you to make the correct selection. But the correct selection of the corrosion corrosion inhibitor is important because uh, we have. Uh, out there, several kinds of corrosion inhibitors. Some are uh, they are retarding the anodic reaction. Others are retarding the cathodic reaction. Others are retarding uh, mixed, so both reactions in different extents or to the same extent. So that's very important because that plays a significant role on the potential of your sample. So, for instance, if you take uh, if you consider uh, a mixed corrosion inhibitor that retards the anodic and the cathodic um, uh, reactions to the same extent, there will be a, a slight or no change in the OCP of your your uh, your sample of your working electrode because uh, the the OCP tends to 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 oscillate to change when you add the inhibitor uh, whether the anodic or the cathodic is retarded more or less. So when you see that, uh, depending on the application you, you're having, in this case, you have a shifting potential. You, you want to overcome that shifting potential. Uh, maybe, I'm, I'm not 100% sure because it, uh, we haven't tested that, but uh, there is a, a strong pot a high potential that you may not be able to stifle that mechanism, even though the inhibitor is might be uh, absorbing on on the surface. But that that goes back to the the fact that depending on the condition, the inhibitor would would not even absorb to the surface. So uh, 
making the correct selection of corrosion inhibitors it's really important and the second thing that it, i think it's it's the key in this cases in the in this kind of situation is that uh investigating the the aqueous condition or i'm talking about the water chemistry like what kind of ions you have on your environment what kind of contaminants that's that's really important uh instead of just uh, looking at the material that you're using the, or or the corrosion inhibitor because even even with the best corrosion inhibitor if you have a harsh environment with with uh, water water chemistry conditions that are not uh favorable for that inhibitor to perform you you it, it may fail so investigating this having these two things in mind whenever dealing with localized corrosion propagation on carbon steels i think are the most important uh from from my understanding on on this matter and i think what you have said is just right on point what some people forget sometimes is this that these processes are dynamic um you know conditions change all the time and we might be pumping water uh, with certain characteristics today but tomorrow those are not the same so that's where you know testing becomes really important and understanding what those changes bring to the place because it's not the same when your plant is brand new that after a while when you have already deposits or you have had some failures that induced something into systems and those are carried out throughout the plant so understanding that this is a dynamic process and we need to do the ritual like engineering re-engineering and rethinking and reanalyzing if this conditions that we once predicted as still applicable or if we need to change something and that is exactly and I just spoke with someone yesterday about the MOC processes the management of changes and then and that is exactly when that comes into place at the right time is my process the same is my condition the same something did changed and if the, it did, then I need to adjust. And it's no different than when you're driving, guys. If you drive in your summertime, it's you know different driving than if you're in winter. And we were talking about the winters in these Nordic, <laughs> northern territories of that we're living in, and it's absolutely different. And what do you do? You adjust. You change your tires. You know, you have your thing to clean up the, the ice and snow and, uh, you know, it's and a different, even the, the freezing fluid that you put into the, the wiper is different. So we are used to that. So we just need to translate that into having processes that back up. What we are saying here is it's important to look at every single parameter. So our, our things that we selected and predicted are accurate because it might change over time. So I agree 100%. And uh, I do think that uh, I know that uh, the industry takes a lot of measures and uh, it's cautious with with all the, all these matters. But <clears throat> I think it's uh, sometimes it's a, it, it can be a, a huge mistake 
taking for granted like oh yeah this is what we have oh yeah this no 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 you you don't need to check it it's 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 the same process it's everything but because like you said things change and they, things are changing every time so it can be very dangerous if you just take it for granted and assume and continue taking the the old let's say the old measures that we were taking and not being uh, updated all the time and monitoring so yeah Awesome. So in your in your research, you said that there is need, you know, for further investigation. So what is those what are those opportunities for further understanding on what is what is next? So yeah, uh research like any other is like infinite. <laughs> uh I mean it's if you stay there, I could have done my PhD in 20 years just doing research, <laughs> there will be endless. And uh, but there are some particular parameters that I think it are very important and will deliver a good message or it will give very beneficial results that one one of them is uh, investigating different kind of inhibitors. So in this in this particular study, uh, the inhibitor that we use was a, com a commercial uh, inhibitor one. So as we from the corrosion uh, universe, we know that these commercial uh, corrosion inhibitors, they are usually like a, a cocktail, a mix of different compounds. But uh, this inhibitor in particular was primarily midazolinium based. So uh, that's one of the, the group of, of the most common inhibitors, but there are several out there that can be tested. And I think you will deliver a good message in terms of the chemical dependency on this uh, mitigation of localized corrosion propagation. So I think this is, this is uh, one, one of the future research that I'm more interested into seeing people doing elsewhere. I, I couldn't I couldn't do it, but uh, uh, I know for sure that there will be other groups uh, researching on that. And also uh, the second thing that I, I think it's also important, it's uh, to improve the understanding that we have in terms of the desorption mechanisms of the corrosion inhibitor, because like I said, at some point, the current that flows on the surface of the working electrode of the carbon steel is too high that the inhibitor does not absorb on the surface. But there is another uh, a situation that may happen. That is, whenever you have already the surface covered with corrosion inhibitor, so the inhibitor is already absorbed on the surface, and uh, you may have, you may suffer some kind of, of, I don't know, oscillation on the potential or even being polarized and that, that inhibitor will dissolve from the surface. So it's, it's a similar, uh, understanding. It's not the same thing, but it's, it, it's similar to what we see with stainless steel with the, with the passive layer that, uh, there are several works even using the potential static, uh, technique or the post electrochemical uh, test that uh, investigate this repassivation thing with the with the, the stainless steel but for the carbon steel whenever we use the corrosion inhibitor we we don't fully understand when why the inhibitor may be dissolved by electrochemical uh, forces and then reabsorbed on the surface let's say uh, you if you make a cycle uh, polarizing and depolarizing the surface so that that would be interesting in terms of understanding uh, more about the theory behind what we call the desorption potential that it uh, we assume that that 
after a certain potential or a certain current, the inhibitor will fully dissolve or at least partially start uh, would partially start dissolving from the surface. So I think there there is a lack of understanding in this in this in this matter, and I think it would be really interesting if people could dive into it. There are some ideas for the ones that are searching for research topics. <laughs> uh, yeah, there you have. There you are. Bernardo, time has flown so fast. We are at the end of our time here. Do you have any last message for, you know, for the audience, for people that are listening to us? And what do you, what will you say to them? Yeah, so first of all, I would like to thank you again for having me. And uh, it was a really good experience uh, having being able to talk about my, my work. But I think for for people that are hearing hearing us and they are interested, if they are not already in the corrosion universe, if they are interested in corrosion, corrosion is a really exciting topic. Uh, it's material science. You're dealing with material. You're de dealing with the environment. You're dealing with energy transition. You're dealing with several very hot topics that we have nowadays. And uh, I think it's uh, it's really good to have more people involved and like you said new people with uh, exciting ideas because our universe needs that and uh, I, I I would be a, a, a an advocate of supporting people and making them more interested in this matter as much as I can because I like I love this matter it's it's something that I'm really into and uh, I hope that we could have more people involved in uh, supporting and uh, mainly new people supporting new people to get into this this universe and I think you if you are re really into it if you're really interested you will succeed for sure because it's it's a it's it's a really good area it's a good really universe for you to dive into it has a lot of opportunities and yes. uh, a lot of challenges that are yet to be resolved so definitely we need we need more more, more of us <laughs> yeah yeah Renato, Unfortunately, thank you so uh, much yeah yeah sorry sorry go no. ahead no no i was just going to mention that uh it's there's an analogy that it's interesting that's Cor uh, corrosion is like corruption. You you can uh, you cannot dis extinguish it, but you can reduce it. So let's do it. <laughs> it's very interesting. Every time when we do the podcast, sometimes we have to do lots of addition of the word uh, corrosion because normally will it will translate it in the transcript as a corruption. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So it's not only it's not only an analogy, it happens. <laughs> yes, yes. So anyway, for everyone that is listening to us, thank you so much for being here. Um, if you are on like just listening in Apple Podcast or in Spotify, Bernardo has shown us some slides. So if you want to uh, take a look at in our YouTube channel, uh, you can look at the slides as well. And uh, we thank you very much for being part of our community. Bernardo, thank you so much for your time. Congratulations on everything that you have achieved. And uh, I can just, you know, imagine what else you will achieve in, in this uh, because you're very passionate and you really, you know, it shows that you like what you do. So congratulations for all that passion. Thank you very much, Monica.
Okay, talk to you soon and then everyone else will see you in the next weeks uh, with another episode. Thank you so much for being with us.